You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. So I've just come off work and my phone is blowing up. What the hell just happened this weekend, Olsen? My guess is that Jeffrey did something he shouldn't. He tweeted something he shouldn't have tweeted and then it's blowing up. Jeffrey's being canceled right now. Is that right? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I never touch our Twitter or at POP, no, at BOP underscore POD. I never touch that. So I'm never the one who posts anything. And I, because I, I don't like making mistakes like all of when I post stuff. I mean, clearly it wasn't the BOP underscore POD Twitter account, A, because Jeffrey doesn't even get it correctly the first time. <laughs> but second of all, nothing blew up there. Maybe Jeffrey's Instagram account, you know, had some controversial hot takes. I don't know. But why did your phone blow up, Jeffrey? Well, it, it seemed to me it was it was it wasn't it was more of our friend group just talking about the uh, a fairly big big trade. I, I think it was a trade that was in the works for a very, very long time, but now that's finally coming to fruition, I think, you know, now that's it's it's actually it's a real thing right now. So People are now talking about it, and yeah, definitely in our friend group, definitely some uh, interesting opinions about the deal. But uh, for those who haven't heard, uh, there was a quite a big trade this Saturday, January twenty third, twenty twenty one. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois has finally been traded, and he's over gone to the Winnipeg Jets, basically uh, for Patrick Laine and Jack Roslick. Hey, don't forget that third round pick. Like, oof, that's like I don't know. I'll be honest with you. Um, I feel like a really big overpay. Like, I get it. There was probably a chance that Line A wasn't going to stay. Uh, like, for, in free agent, and Roslevic didn't want to stay. I think it was pretty clear he wanted top six money. But at the same time, he signed for $1.9 I don't understand that either. Um, but it just feels like an overpay. I know Pierre-Luc Dubois is great, but if you look at the Jets shouldn't they be focusing on D? Like, use these pieces that were so valuable and put it on D. Not in center, where they already have one established center in Mark Shifley. Right? Um, I, I would agree with you, dear. I, I think the Jets' priority is defense, but I think what they have coming up in their defensive prospects, I think, makes them feel a little bit more comfortable about the future. I think it's hard right now. There doesn't really seem to be much quality top 40 on the market right now, per se. But, yeah, it's kind of weird for them to focus on a centerman when you have... You, you signed Paul Stastny, this free agency, to be your number two center, to play with Patrick Laine. And now, you know, Laine is gone. And now you kind of have what? Like, are you like, is it going to be like Stastny, Dubois, Ehlers? Is that what you're going to be playing as your second line? I assume so. Like, I, I guess, like, it's not a bad trade in terms of the like, quality. Like, this is a, a in my mind. This is what a true blockbuster feels like, which is great. I love to see it, but it just seems like I, I don't love it, right? Like, obviously, I'm looking at this in the side of the Jets, and unfortunately, we weren't able to get Anson Ivan. This we have great topic to bring him up on. I'm sure he's 
reason why we probably couldn't get him was uh, he's probably, you know, on the top of the roof of a skyscraper dancing and cheering and screaming how much he loves Yarmulkekalainen and hope, hoping that he hears him. But, like, for me, I'm just like, oh, that's it? You have, I get it, Line A doesn't really want to be there, but he's kind of been like, he's been a professional this entire time, but he's been like, you know what? Like, I'm sure it'll happen. I'll just continue playing my game. I'll continue playing great. Josh, Jack Rosselvick was like, I'm not coming. And I don't blame him. You don't have a contract. And you don't have to come in. That's simple as that, right? I'm on board with that. And then we also have Pierre-Luc Dubois was just straight up given up. The whole world knew that this guy was like, I don't really care, but I don't really want to be here. Right, like, I get it. You sometimes un- you can sometimes get players who don't really want to be there at a better price, but at the same time, like, you're there's these are all depressed value assets. Could you not have gotten more, seeing as the Pierre Luc Dubois asset was more depressed in value? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I feel I feel like the Jets were almost bidding against themselves. Like, I. I I think I always assumed that, like, in any Dubois deal with the Jets, I think we all assumed that Columbus would have to pay more if they wanted to get Line A. But right now, it just seems like it seems like the Jets pay, had to pay more to get Dubois. Like, I don't know if that's because it's a center for a winger. I, I feel like that's the reason why. Maybe because Line A's hurt right now, like, and Roslovic's unsigned. Maybe that's why. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, Dubois as like an asset, his value was more depreciated than either Line and Roslovic. And I would even argue the same. Line's at like as a value as an asset, I don't really think his um value was actually that depreciated. I think he was it's just normal. Like, yes, he wanted to play with Shifley and stuff, but like uh, he, he it wasn't to the point where I would say like people would pay less to get him now than they were to say get him if he wasn't happy type of thing. Yeah, like, for me, it kind of just felt like they were kind of bidding. I get it. Like, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a very good player. I'd say he's a he's a 1C. Is that is that reasonable, Jeffrey? Um, yeah, I don't remember if you remember at the, before he was signed. I was saying that they were trying to pay him. Uh, when they were negotiating for his contract, I was saying he's probably going to be a left winger. I don't know if you remember that, but I, I agree with you. I think his potential is 1C, but right now, I don't know 100% yet if he is that one seed just yet. Okay. This, I think actually even further is my point. So is Line A a, a one wing? Uh, yes, I would say Line A is a one wing. Uh, would you say Russell Lake is a very bad two wing or very good three wing? Uh, is he not a center? Sorry. Yeah, center. Is he not a really bad third liner or or a very good second liner depends how you look at it uh i i, I think you I, I know what you mean like you, you want to say uh like either a bad 2c or good 3c yeah i, I think that's that's where roslovic is and like the way you're adding that up right now and I, I, I know you want don't want to forget about that 2022 third rounder but it, yeah like if you add up the values that we just talked about that doesn't look great on the part of the jets and how much they had to pay yeah like i understand you look at it and say, you know what, one's a center, one's a winger. Like the main pieces, right? I'm looking at like Russell Vick is a smaller piece than this, but it adds up. Um, 
it just doesn't make sense. I mean, that's where my issue is. It's just like, okay, okay I guess. <laughs> yeah, and is it Lightley has only played one game this entire season too, right? He's been out for the last four games, so it's almost it's. I, I guess that's the part where his value is depreciated. Like, rarely do you see, you know, I I guess because it's a superstar, like it's a star, that it's not as bad. But rarely do you see you know, injured guys get traded in, like, these blockbusters. Uh, you know what? I'm willing to overlook that. It's one season. Like, he's he's shown he's relatively healthy. Um, so I'm okay with that. Like, it's one season. You know, if this is, like, you know, three years has been like this, I might say something, but it's one year, it's five games, whatever. I'm a bit more willing to overlook that. Yeah. Uh like to me I'm trying to think like does Dubois is Dubois on any trajectory that's similar to any other center? And I, I like to be honest, I can't really think of a center that he's like he doesn't have I think he's not as good offensively as you would want. Like I can't like I try like is he like a less offensive Anze Kopitar? I don't think so. I feel like Dubois also isn't as good defensively. So probably just an entirely lesser version of Kopitar. Not just offensively, but both offensively and defensively. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? He's a very good player. Yeah, and like I, I think the hope is that he develops into like a Anze Kopitar-like player, but... To me, I, I just look at him like, yeah, defensively, he's not there. He, he's a power forward. And I still think, like, his best position is going to be a winger. I don't think he's, like, he's either going to be a 2C, uh, like, a very, very good 2C. And, like, I, I know that the talk to is, like, center is such an important position. Maybe that's why they have to overpay. And it's important to have two good centers. So, like, if Winnipeg ends up, Having you know Shifley Dubois for the for like the next five seven years, that's perfect. But is Dubois going to be happy being like a number two center like this uh, for the rest of his for the next five years? That's the one thing I'm curious about. Like, is that something he'll be okay with as well? No, I think he's going to end up asking for you know like I don't think I think he's going to ask for first line center money and. Whichever team pays him first line team first line center money is gonna expect he plays first line center, right? Yeah. So now you get this weird, you know, impasse here where I think I think what you'll see with Pierre Luc Dubois is you'll see his I think a reasonable expectation for him is he is either a very good second line center or a really bad first line center. Kind of like what I said before with uh Rosovic. Um I think that's reasonable, but do the Jets really need that unless you're trying to go the Leafs method of winning 7-6? But then you really don't have too many scorers to really go 7-6, especially with Hellebuck in the back. Like, are you trying to go 5-4 instead or 4-3? But, like, and try to win games 4-3? I don't, I don't think so. It's just, I think for me, it's just, like, this felt more of like a marriage of convenience more than a, than a need. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. It, it's kind of like, you know, you got two disgruntled stars, so you might as well just flip them for each other and hope that you guys both end up as winners. 
yeah um, yeah it's, that's kind of how i think we both feel about it and you know i would love to get the blue jackets perspective from anson just um you know i i think the blue jackets did very well given how low of a value dubois we all thought was but apparently his value is still very high that the jets were willing to pay it and you know with patrick lining now um it's 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 interesting because now it's also like who is Lainey going to play with now? Like, which center can he actually play with when, you know, Max Domi, I guess? But he seems to be more of a winger. Like, they don't have, like, a true sentiment either. So it's kind of going to be, like, a weird fit, I almost feel, like, with uh, uh, Columbus. Yeah, like, I I think he plays with, with Domi, right? Uh, like, that's what he assumes, so. But then you have, like, Bjorkstrand, you have Cam Atkinson. Like, I guess they can play on the off wings. But, like, to me, is like... With Panarin, the reason why like you need they need an offensive driver was because you know, like Line is a pure goal scorer. He can't really drive offense unless he has a playmaker. Like I, I never find snipers to be off offensive drivers. It's the playmakers that drive the offense, right? So that's why I'm kind of has like I just don't like I know everyone's like oh Columbus needs that star offensive player and that's going to bring push them over the hump. Like I don't think like I think they're still missing that playmaker piece to really push them over the edge. So, like I, I'm kind of like, I, I it, yeah I agree with you now to a point where it's just like it, it just seemed like a deal just to make a deal almost like, just because you guys both had disgruntled like stars, so you're like oh let's just swap them now. Like, it just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like a good fit for either team. So I would say, yeah I think what I see is like yeah it just felt like a mere convenience. But on a side note, Jeffrey. Does it sound like it's a great time to trade away Max Domi on my fantasy team? <laughs> Is he at an all-time high value right now? Uh, oh, so for those who don't know, um, Olsen recruited me and uh, Daniel. Uh, he's Daniel's been a guest on the show to help him as his AGMs for uh, his uh, fantasy draft. And he's uh, crushing. So if you guys ever need help with your fantasy draft, just uh, you can hire us and uh, we'll help you with the draft. But uh I think Max Domi's value. The thing is that right now he has no extra value because um, Line A isn't going to be able to play for them for like the next two weeks. But at the same time, Domi has now been bumped up to number one center. So there is a little bit increased value, but I think you're going to have to bet on either the fact that you're hoping the fact that Line A ends up playing with Domi. But I, I just don't know where Line fits on this team. Like, are, who are you going to be pushing down on the right side? Yeah. Um, that makes sense. First off, yeah, Daniel and Jeffrey are the AGMs of Respect Your Edlers. <laughs> that's my team name. It's pretty rough, I know. Um, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know where they fit in, but I feel like there's an opportunity there. Um, with that, like... You know, with that being said, it also I wonder what the dynamics of the team had to do with the trades. So what was noted was that Blake Wheeler mentioned that he was regretful with the way he handled his relationship with Patrick Line. And I'm wondering with a very influential player in your team, such as your captain, you know, they say, Hey, I really don't think this player should be in here. They're not really not fitting in. You kind of have a bit more of a urgency to really try to trade him away. 
Yeah, I I think Wheeler's also feeling like the Jets lost this trade by quite a bit, so now that's what he's saying. I mean, like, I don't think, I don't think that he has to say anything. You know what I mean? Like, he just needs to just. If he didn't say, put it this way, if he didn't say anything, no one would be like, I wonder what Blake Wheeler thought relationship with Patrick Line was. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I like. From the Jets' point of view, I think it's hard, especially losing, right? Like, this is a second overall pick. He's not even into his prime just yet. You know what he can do for you. And, like, regretfully, you, like, they end up having to trade him away. And I think as a team, like, I think if you're a Winnipeg fan, like, you're, you're, you're kind of, like, gonna, in a couple of years, be thinking, oh, how could this what what could this team have been if they had a 40 possibly 50 goal scorer on this team right like and i think that's so hard to find and like yes Liney has his faults yes maybe he want like he he knew he was a good player and he just wanted that opportunity to show everyone that hey i can put up 50 goals like hey i could be better than matthews type of thing right so to me, to me, like I think, if you're Blake Wheeler as a captain, you have to say something. But then you, I, I think Wheeler is that down to earth guy that he's also gonna take responsibility for things that aren't even under his control. Like he, he can't control the fact that Line wants to play top line minutes with Mark Shifley. He doesn't can't control that. Like, and he can't control what Line is thinking, right? So, like, I, I think he's putting the blame on himself, even though really. There's no, there's no, you can't really blame anyone in this position. I, I think it's just how the team's made up and it's just how the pieces fell. So, yeah, I don't, I really don't think Wheeler really needs to say anything, but as a captain, you kind of have to say something. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense. Um, I, I, let's, let's pivot real quick in a really bad pivot. I think it's also important to make sure before I forget that the all NWHL games are being streamed for free on twitch this season and it starts i believe today um and i think it's for next two weeks i believe um so make sure you hit hit up twitches not twitch hit up nwhl's twitch stream free hockey you know what even if you're you know not a big woman's hockey fan just put it up in the background you know ad free what do you really want free hockey can't complain yeah, and like this is like a this is like a very unique tournament, right? Like for those who are Toronto fans, this is the first ever games for the Toronto Six. Like the first this is the new newest franchise. Um the first franchise in the NWHL outside of the US, really. And here they are playing their first ever games at Lake Placid at the Miracle Rink, playing their first ever games in this unique tournament. And I, I think it's gonna be very it's going to be very cool. Like, right. Like you're having this basically um, almost like, it's almost like a feature event, right? Like a feature tournament with all of the teams playing in this little bubble. And it's going to be so cool. And plus the, the playoffs, I think the semifinals are going to be uh, broadcasted on, uh, I think NBC sports. I don't know if there's any Canadian uh, broadcasters who are going to be broadcasting, but like still like that's a huge feat. Twitch. No, but like when you're talking about the semifinals, if you're going to reach a bigger audience, like I don't think your 60 year old 
dad is gonna be watching Twitch. I think he'll be they'll be more likely to find um the games on NBC or I I think it's NBC. That's where they're gonna be uh, broadcasted. Yeah, just a heads up. I think free hockey, love it. All right, so Jeffrey, yes, have you finally watched more hockey games? Um. Yeah, I have. I, I've just been so busy with work. So, like, I try to, you know, watch, uh, like, a game a night if I can. But because, like, um, I, I have a lot of, like, early morning shifts recently, uh, I haven't been able to watch the late night games. Like, the, the West Coast games, I, I, I've been missing them quite a bit. Okay. So, I was going to ask you, it's more of, I don't know if you've, have you at least watched the highlights? Uh, I try to, but you know, when, when, when I come home from work, I, I, I don't feel like the need to watch every single highlight from on NHL on YouTube, like nine minutes, like highlight packs, which aren't always very interesting. And I just don't have, like, if there's like six games at night. That's like an hour of highlights. Like I, I know hockey is very important to me for me, but sometimes at, once you come home from work, you just need to, you know, relax, rest and more than likely, you prepare yourself for going to work the next day. So, um, unfortunately, I ha- I haven't watched a lot, but I-, I assume you're going somewhere about these uh, highlights here. Well, no, not about highlights. I just want your opinion. Like, what's wrong with the Leafs, and why can't they score? <laughs> um, to me, I I think. Well, I mean, the injury to Austin Matthews is going to be a little bit interesting. I think that's going to hurt their depth a little bit. Um, and I mean, they did well against the Oilers, being them 4-2 uh, the, last night, I believe. But um, I, I think with the Leafs, it's just they, it's that gelling period, right? Because there's been such so much of a turnaround in players, right? Like, you've lost Kapanen, you've lost Janssen, right? Those were, like, core depth pieces for that team. And now, like, all these lines are kind of been shaken up. I, I think... This team just needs a couple of games to gel. You know, these are kind of almost like exhibition games at this point, right? Like, these guys haven't played. They've only played scrimmages during training camp. So, really, like, these are really their first ever games playing on their new lines. And with all the injuries to, like, Joe Thornton and Austin Matthews, like, these lines, there just hasn't been any chemistry. So, I I think a big thing with offense is that you need chemistry. Defense, you don't need as much chemistry, per se, like, as forward lines. But... I think offensively, they're just still trying to find your niche. So, um, like just watching the Leafs, I think they're just they're they're just trying to gel right now. And you know, I I think you know you'll see in a couple of games probably they'll be a lot better offensively. But uh, I mean, I'm not a Leafs fan anymore, so I I can't really say. Yeah, I just so happened that was the only seven o'clock Canadian division game that I wanted to watch yesterday, so that's why I watched it. Right for our fans that didn't. Listen, our listeners, not our fans, I think. We are part of the family. Um, for our listeners that did not listen to last week's episode, Jeffrey has decided to go from one bandwagon to another and uh, become a hat fan. Um, so with that being said, though, how upset are you that you couldn't get a French-Canadian first-line center that was available? Um. I think that was the, like the rumor too. Like the Habs were in on Dubois, and like the Habs have always looked for that you know top line forward. I, they're similar to Columbus, right? Like in the sense that they always wanted that top. They never have that top line, you know, guy really. Like that's locked up. That's going to be a part of their future forever and ever. And amen. 
Um, but you look at the center depth in Montreal, like, do they need a center is the question, right? Like, yes, maybe if they had a more established center, they could, you know, go further. But what they have coming up in their system and what they already have on their team, like, I really don't see them needing uh, a Dubois, right? Like, you've got Nick Suzuki um, and Jesper Kakaniemi, like, who are still slowly developing. A lot of people think, like, Kakaniemi could top out as like a Dubois like person, maybe like a year or two behind. So, if if I'm a uh, Montreal, I really don't see the need to trade for a guy like Dubois. If I, you know, have these guys in my system, I have. I don't know if they're gonna be able to resign to no, but you also have guys like Ryan Poling still trying to come up. Like you've got guys. So, to me, like I I just don't see the need to you know get a uh, French Canadian forward like Dubois. And I-, I think they've moved on from that. I mean, they have Shea Weber as their captain. I, I think they-, they don't have to only go for French Canadians anymore. I guess, yeah, my counter- counterpoint would have been, but none of those are French Canadians. <laughs> so I guess my question also would be, would have been, do you suspect that some of these players, sorry, some, of the players some of these teams, such as in Montreal, were included not because of a need but as part of the story um like as i said before i really think the jets were just bidding against themselves i really don't think i'm sure like teams you know put in calls but if i if i'm mark bergevin like if they're asking for a nick suzuki or jesper kakaniemi i like okay nick suzuki is for sure you're you know you're you're hanging out kakaniemi maybe i'll listen a little bit but like if I'm Montreal, I am happy with the team that I'm putting out, right? Like has Montreal like Montreal's I think has points in every game they played, basically. And I don't think this is maybe the Jets maybe are the only other team. I'm no, sorry, not the Jets, the the Golden Knights maybe are the only other team that's done that. Like I wouldn't like yes, you could improve with a guy like Dubois, but I, I just don't see it. Like I, I see this team as like they're gonna pl- the reason why they built this team is because they feel like depth is going to be the way to win this season, and they're going to stick with this plan. So that doesn't answer my question, though. Do you feel that a guy like Dubois added to this cutting, not cut, this whole Montreal mix just because he's a French Canadian, and that wasn't actually a a need? Uh, so I would like to retract my older, uh, my statement before. So the only other team that, uh, are like the Canadians who have, uh, only gotten points in every games include the flames and also the capitals. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I would, I would agree with you. I would think that, that I think people analyze analysts like kind of see that, Oh, you know, Montreal has always been looking for that forward and he's French Canadian. Let's add him to the, you know, rumor mill. I, I really think like every team should, you know, put up feelers no matter what if a star com- becomes available. But I do think Montreal Canadiens were kind of pushed to the the front of the rumor mill just because you know of their history of always looking for those star French Canadians to play for them, right? Like with the Jonathan Duran trade for Sergeyev type of thing. Like to be to me, I, I I really don't think that interest was as real as what people were saying. Okay, so have you been at least watching the Habs? Um, unfortunately, during their West Coast trips, nine o'clock games are a little bit too late for me, so I I have not watched as many games. But like the way, I, like the how they're playing is like basically what you want to see like a team play. You know, 
they play hard. They come at you in waves, and I think that's what Toronto originally wanted. But this is what, like, you really wanted to see. Like, this this team can send up wave after wave. Carey Price, you know, yes, he's you know doesn't have the greatest numbers, but he keeps them in games. Same, and having Jake Allen has just been such a great safety net. Um, you know, Shea Weber is playing amazing. Jeff Petrie's playing amazing. Um, Romanoff, you know, they've thrown him into the mix, and he's doesn't look that bad to be honest like i i think this is a probably this is the most complete team out of maybe besides the maybe the golden knights but the golden knights only have five defensemen too so it's like i i think this is one of the most complete teams in the nhl right now yeah okay so i want to talk about the golden knights after but skating five defensemen um but before that i hope my question for you was how impressed have you been with tyler Toffoli? Um, as a former LA Kings, um, I'm sure you're very, very happy. I mean, he, he's had one really, really good game, but like he, he's, he's impressed in all those other games, right? Like, yes, maybe he doesn't get on the score sheet, but I, I think he brings that presence of like, yes, I'm a veteran and, you know, I, I've, I know what it takes to, you know, win type of, he gives me that type of feel, right? And like... I, I think that's important for this this younger team where like they don't they've they've never found like that true success that you know uh, Toffoli had with the LA Kings. So I I think he's just in a good sp- spot. His contract is gonna look like one of the biggest deals of the century just because of the pandemic. But it's just like with they can roll out three really really strong like offensive lines who are all all three also are defensively responsible so it's kind of like i think he's just in a good spot right now and you know he had that hat trick that one game even though it's a losing effort to the canucks but i think he brings what we were saying about with the canadians all along they need a finisher and i know to is not your not the greatest finisher but he has that aspect in his game that he can you know, do. And I think he, he brings that little niche to Canadians. And I, I really like it. Okay. I'll take that. Um, and we'll move back over to the Golden Nets. You mentioned it there. Probably one of the most complete teams, but also five defensemen. <sighs> Can they really be a complete team with only skating five defensemen? Um, you know, we talked about this last week, I believe. Uh, but like, it, it's, they're, they're winning. So, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's your definition of a team like does your what do you mean like by a team like do you need to have the number one offense the number one defense i i really think like when you talk about complete if you can roll out consistently like the same quality of line lineup for all 60 minutes of a game that's what i would consider complete so it doesn't matter if you know you're playing five defensemen uh, like you don't have to have three distinct pairs, but if you can keep that same quality coming out every single shift, I, I would call that a complete team. And you know, with uh the Jets, you know they're four and one, so clearly you know, um they're in a good spot. Their division's also not amazing, so maybe that's kind of helped them out a little bit. And yeah, like uh to me, like I I still disagree with the five defenseman idea, but you know they're making it work. So you know what, let, let's let them be. They're winning. Who cares? Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, you did mention the North Division is the weaker division, um, and you did bring up, "Hey, Jets at four and one." 
is it not too early to be making these assumptions where it's just, hey, you know, it's at the end of the day, five games in. These assumptions we're seeing and we're making, is it even reasonable to be making these right now? Uh, I, I assume you're talking about uh, the West division, you mean, not the North? Sorry, not, yeah, the, the West. Uh, yeah, I, I obviously it's way too early, right? Like, we've played, what, like uh, a tenth of the season? So I think it's really hard to say um, what these teams are right away. But, I mean, like, there's obviously some things, like, we know we're going to happen, right? Like, you know, Detroit's going to be near the bottom. Chicago's going to be near the bottom. Um, there's definitely some surprises here and there. But, like, to me, like, it's still quite early. But, like, the really really good teams you can kind of even if you're just looking at the wins losses it might not be like definitive about what type of team they are but like just by seeing how some of the teams are playing like you can kind of already tell like yes this team's gonna be a playoff team type of thing so um there's definitely those bubble teams that we're not still not 100 percent sure of what they're gonna be but um I, I do think that there are some teams where you can kind of say like yes they're they're going to playoffs no they're you know going into the lottery yeah, so I guess, yeah, I like, think my question was, would have been targeted towards your example, for example, Patrick Line. you know, it's like, oh, you know, he's been injured, he's only played one game, but I'm like, it's only five games, right? So it's more of a, can we make these assumptions right now, right? Like, is it more of a, okay, give it, you know, two months or three months? Because then, like, put it this way, you know, like, if you and I at our jobs, you know, a weekend, and they're already just like, hey, you're, we're assessing your performance, and kind of early but that's kind of what other people in the media and you have done i'm not gonna put we're not media members jeffrey i'm sorry we're we're just we're the shits and giggles we uh still have our our day drops for a reason um but i guess you'd say for you or other media members it's too early to be making these assumptions isn't it uh yeah i agree like i I think you need a good sample size before you can make uh, like actual like predictions about where teams are but like there's always like things that you you know you can say like 100% like I, I can say that like Marner and Matthews are going to be near point to point per game production right like things that are pretty standard but um like like just because with the season though right like if we say like we need a large sample size like that's gonna be half the season and then of course your prediction is gonna be fairly accurate because there's only like another half a season to predict so i think you like we kind of are starting to make predictions just off these five games just because this is 10 percent of the season right like when we get to like 10 games that's 20 percent of the season and that's a good good chunk of the season so you can kind of tell like based on those 10 games almost that like you know where teams at plus there's not going to be that much variability given the fact they're facing the same teams very often that like you could make a fairly convincing prediction by the end of 10 games yeah okay um so i heard there was a in our little chat there you were pretty upset during the week jeffrey you said that Someone uh, took your idea that you had. What was it, Jeffrey? Okay, well, I I can't say steal because I'm sure other people had this idea. But, you know, once it goes on something like The Athletic, it makes it real, I think, right? So I have a document in uh, in our Facebook group, but just between me and you for this 
podcast. And it, it was originally, you know, it was going to be saved uh, for later type of like, you know, like during the off season, something to talk about. Um, I don't know why it says episode 29, but this was this was done February 27th, 2019. And I want to say screw you, Ian Mendez for uh, Whoa, those are fighting words. Well, I could use harsher words, but I'm sticking with screw you because we are we're an explicit, but I'm the non-explicit person of the uh, the podcast. But uh, I had also this great idea about doing the divisional re- realignment, right? Turning it into like an NFL where it's, it's only four teams per you know division instead of this what eight teams in a division, which really doesn't make sense. It's not really a division at that point. Um, you can build up the inner rivalries. You can, you know, cut down on costs on travel because you play so many of the same teams near your geographical region. And, you know, you screw over this, you know, the divisional playoffs things that's never worked. And you know what, Ian Mendez, you know, you came up, with the, you published the idea. We never got to it because we had other stuff to talk about. Um, so, you know, good on you for actually doing it. But I like to say in our Facebook group, it's start. It's charted. You know, February twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. The idea was started here on the Bag of Fucks podcast in our uh, library of ideas that you know aren't always used. Okay, so speaking of this division realignment of four. Okay, can I ask why? My my concern is okay. So you're going to continue playing eighty two games, and if you're not constantly playing other teams, won't it get stale? Well, okay, I'm not saying like it's gonna be like you're only playing these games, but like you'll play more games within your like new division, right? So like my idea would be, um, I had a full breakdown of games too, right? Like I I, I had it like down to, um, like you it'll be an 84 game season. The season's 186 days, so like how many days off between Christmas, All Star break? Like I had it fully breaking down, and like what you could have done was like, um. You can have, you know, six games against your three division opponents, four games against your quote unquote conference opponents, and then two against everyone else. And that adds up to perfectly 82 games. And you know what? With the NHL expanding to 32 teams, just like the NFL, why not? Like, this was perfect. And, you know, like, it it just makes sense. And, like, because you're playing, you know, you're not having like weird divisions where, you know, Toronto and Tampa are in the same division, even though they're like how far away? Like it, it just makes more sense in terms of travel and actually having those like interdivisional rivalries. And you know, like my some of my divisions are a little bit different from Ian Mendes, but like we had the same idea, right? Like you want to build up those rivalries. You know, certain divisions are pretty much set because based on those rival rivalries. But like it, it just seemed to me like how much. I guess it depends on how this season goes, like how these rivalries, like how these, you know, playing games, multiple games against the same people over and over again. Maybe this is something the NHL is going to look towards in the future. But part of the question, I believe, is yes, you make these, like, part of the reason why, in my opinion, why we have a Tampa in the same uh, division as a Leafs, for example is that you get to exploit these geographical differences, right? In the sense that, hey, hockey isn't that big in a city like Tampa or St. Petersburg. However, you bring in a draw of a marquee historical team like the Leafs to help raise that, what's the word to use? 
profile, right? Like if you're what if you have a division of let's say the Panthers, the Hurricanes, uh, the Lightning, and I don't know some other Southeast United States team, is there really much of a draw there though? Uh I I I agree, but I I think having like if you were able to have those more rivalry games, I think that bring that raises the what you would say like the profile of the game, like in, in enticing more fans is having those rivalry games instead of just bringing in a Toronto or a Boston or or a Chicago or, or a New York or Detroit, like bring one of those guys in just to play your team more often. Like I I don't think that's the way to draw. Like does Toronto Tampa have a rivalry that people will be encouraged to watch? Like. Would people come out to see a Toronto game more, or would they actually come to see the Florida game more? Because you have that state rivalry. Like to me, like I, I think having those closer connected rivalries are, are are a little bit more, you know, enticing to the average fan. But don't discount all the snowbirds flying from Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. Going to a Tampa where it's nice and sunny, sun, sunny, sunny in the winter. Yeah, but that's not who you're trying to pull if you're in Tampa. Like that's not the audience you're trying to. Like that's not the fans or the population that you want to attract to the game, right? Those people are gonna show up to the game no matter what. I think what you, it, what you're doing when you're trying to bring what you're saying before, like having those Toronto's there, is to like have a little bit more pull to bring in those average fans or those fans who haven't even experienced hockey, right? So to me, like, I, I get what you kind of mean a little bit, but to me, it just doesn't seem to have as much an effect as having, like, a rivalry game. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it, 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 it's uh, I think it's going to definitely be a factor in the future. I think that's where the NHL will go towards, especially with when you have the 32 teams. But... Um, we'll just see how long it takes the NHL to make a change. Also, like this was also the perfect season for them to try out to just win losses and not have this extra point because I'm sure I- I'm very happy as a Habs fan that we have the extra point, but I'm sure there's lots of teams that are angry that you know there's it's not no longer these four point games. There's always like three and a half point games now, which is you know annoying towards the end of the season when you know some team wins because they have uh these one point games from shootout shootouts and overtime losses so sorry you don't think there should be a point for overtime loss or shootout loss no i i think if, if you win you win if you lose who cares how long it takes you to lose you lost so none of these pity points yeah, like go back to the NBA and like the MLB. Do they have pity points? No. I I think you sh- if it's a win, it's a win. If it's a loss, it's a loss. And like these days with three on three overtimes, and we're not going into the shootout as much. I I really don't think you need a pity point anymore. You can you know suck it up. <laughs> and, okay, just don't bring back ties. Okay, still play the overtimes and shootouts, yeah, and if you lose, back, you lose. Do not bring back ties. That that is no. We're not I, doing that. I don't know how many hockey cards I have that have win, loss, tie, and I'm just like, what the hell is this? Thing with me for ties is it just how do I put this? It doesn't feel like anything, right? It just feels like unfulfilled. Yeah, like okay, with with football, it's a little bit different because like it, it's like when you play in the leagues, right? It's um like if you tie away, then then it feels like a win. 
even though it's not really a win, but it feels like a win. Uh, plus wins are three points in uh, like soccer, so uh, in the standing, so it's a little bit different. So getting a point away is uh, considered quite you know big. But like in hockey, right? Like to me, like yes, home and away there is a difference, but really like it, it, it like that the pity points and ties just never made sense. Well, I think it's a little bit different in football. I think partly with it happens so rarely. I have a bit more. How to put this? I'm I'm more okay with it because it doesn't happen as often. I don't think they need to put a whole set of rules and make it super complicated. If it happens like twice a year, <laughs> okay. Like in hockey, well, happens, like, football. Football. I mean, like real football, not this American uh, football. Shit. Okay. So in soccer, <laughs> in foot a, in foot a. Sorry. Um, in that sense, I also don't feel I don't feel fulfilled. To be honest with you, but I also understand it a bit more um in the sense that in football they're playing for three different things at the same time you know you might have another game in two days and like if you end up putting on like hey we're gonna start putting in overtime for every game instead of draws you're gonna have a players that are gonna be hurt a lot more and i think that's different but in hockey you know you're playing your 82 games and that's it compared to football where you might play you know 31 matches where you're only allowed three subs, so you know your guys are tired, or three to five this season. But I get it, but like three subs, and then you're gonna play two days later, and you know I get it. So it's, it's a different. I think you can't put the two together. Okay, fair enough. But just the overall message: no more fucking ties, please. Please don't bring those back. I don't think anyone's had a had a insistence on ties, though. So that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah. anyone was like, oh, we need ties. No, I, I think we need ties for uh, big conferences, um, you know, weddings and stuff, but, you know, not in hockey. Not in hockey? Uh, well, I mean, like, they, they can wear whatever they want to the games, uh, but, yeah, Let, let's leave out ties and on the ice, on, on ice, no ties, please. No ties. All right. Uh, Jeffrey, was there anything else you want to talk about today? No, but I, I think you said you wanted to bring up something. Uh, it has escaped my mind. Uh, I think you wanted to talk about Mike Babcock, something that we were talking I about 50 did. minutes ago off air. We were talking about this, and you already forgot. Oh no, am I? Uh, am I getting old, Jeffrey? Is this what what age feels like? Um, I I don't think you should say that because if you said that to any um, people who are older than us, um, and you said that you're old, then you're gonna make them feel even older, and that's a big no no. My my twenties are hitting me rough. <laughs> Um, so there was an article in The Athletic, the first interview with Mike Babcock, who's actually recently become a studio analyst with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And there's an argument there that, oh, it was a puff piece. You know, it's, they're too hard. You know, they were hard enough on Mike Babcock. And, you know, the story goes back to Mike Babcock asking Mitch Marner to put a list of players and say, oh, where do you think you are on the effort in between these guys? And that list got leaked, and Tyler Bozak was on the list, um, and it was just a mess. And you know, you never should put you know your your players doesn't matter if they're rookies or not on a in a situation where they have to rank their teammates. And I, I just don't think it's appropriate. But going back to the point, is it bad that I kind of understand why it's a puff piece? Um. Is he? I I thought he was going back with the NBC. I didn't think he was going back to Toronto. 
he wasn't going back to Toronto. He's going as an NBC as an analyst, studio analyst. Um, my reason why I get it, it's a puff piece, is look, there's no way that this is the first person that's tried to contact Mike Babcock about an interview since he was he left the Leafs. Okay. Um, and I feel like a large reason why he's doing this is because he wants to, you know, promote that he's got a new job to, you know, watch him TV, which again, no problem with. I think when it came down to it, there was a lot of, there is a lot of demand for this interview, very little supply. As a result, he got to dictate the terms. This is what was going to happen from the start. You weren't going to get an opportunity where he sat down and whoever the journalist interviewed him was just going to rapid fire him with questions about stuff that he doesn't want to talk about. Like there, It was extremely unlikely, in my opinion, that this wasn't going to be a puff piece. Simple as that. Unless he chose not to do that. And I don't think he feels like he did something which was as wrong as what people made it sound. That's my opinion. I don't know if, you know, if that's different, then yeah, I, I apologize. But that's what I felt. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree that, like, because he was stepping back into the hockey world, he had to almost, like, give his own side of the story, like, clear the air almost. Like, just to kind of show, like, either, like, that he's grown, um, that he, you know, He's changed since, you know, all this experience. But really, it was also, like, he needs to protect his, his own, like, professional identity. Like, he needs to show, like, hey, like, yes, these things happen. But I am still the NHL coach who coached Team Canada, like, to, what, two uh, two gold medals. I am still the guy who, you know, took uh, seven-seeded uh, Anaheim Mighty Ducks from seventh all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. I took the Red Wings to the, win the Stanley Cup. Like I, I think he he needed to like still like you know you know he's still looking for jobs right like and this is working with NBC I think it's just gonna be a part time thing because you know NBC is shutting down at the end of the year too so it's like it's not gonna be a long term gig so uh, I really do agree with with you like this was an interview based on what he wanted to share and I, I don't think we're ever gonna get like the full like you know unfiltered um like interview from him until he's out of hockey or he's got a book deal coming somewhere. So we'll probably hear it then. Yeah. But I think that's a whole different story though, whether a book deal is coming or whatever, but I, I think that was what you should have expected. And I don't understand why people are outraged about it. I think like you need to be reasonable about it. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, but, and you know, like every person that's, you know, like I, who knows? Like, I, I'm surprised we didn't... Uh, maybe there was. Like, I'm sure Jim Montgomery has had an interview similar to this. Um, and now that he's back with... um, Now he's back with the Blues now, I believe. Like, I'm sure there's also a piece. But, like, with Babcock, his was such a more high-profile case that, you know, this was always going to be a very, you know, shallow interview where you're really not going to get too too in depth. I, I think Pierre Lebrun did a fairly good job of like you know taking what Babcock's saying, you know, just providing the facts everything. Like, but you're not really going to get um 
really a perspective or an opinion on whether someone's right or someone's wrong. It's just the facts, and it's going to be up to you to make your own personal decision whether Babcock deserves a second chance or you know if Babcock's just done with hockey. Yeah. Okay. So you did mention something that I didn't want to talk about. You did mention that uh, NBCSN is is what closing down. I, yeah, like at the end of the year, I guess the channel will be gone. Like, I, I mean, I don't have cable, so I didn't don't really know how that affects me. But like for me and you who watch, you know, if we watch EPL on the on the weekends, are we losing that too? Is the zone going to steal over everything now? Oh, see, I watch German football, so I'm, it's, it's on sports night. So I'm OK with that. <laughs> Yeah, but like that's that's pretty big, right? Like, I I know okay, it's a little bit different in America, right? Because you have so much like competition between the different networks and like, uh, okay, Canada too, but like, you know, like it's not national, um, games that are being broadcasted. Like NBC is kind of like the national, I want to say, broadcaster for, um, like the sport hockey, uh, in uh the U.S. But like, like does this mean like? If you're watching um, NESN, oh no, that's NESN, that's different. But like, does that mean like a lot of the national games aren't going to be national games anymore? Is it going to be mainly local broadcasters, like local, you know, affiliates broadcasting the games now? Uh, so I can answer that question. According to Wyshynski, uh, ESPN, right? I think it's ESPN now, right? Yeah. Um, plan is to move them to top end live sports to USA Network. So what this means is that. I think hockey is moving a bit over to USA Network. Um, So that explains it. So if it is USA Network, there will be premium, not premium, national TV distribution, um, which is good, you know, for the game. Uh, It it is a step up. Like, don't get me wrong. USA Network versus, versus, I would take USA Network any day of the week. But what I do note is that does that mean there's going to be a new TV deal? And new TV deal, does that mean higher cap? You know, because then the revenue is going to go up. Um, I don't think we're going to be seeing a higher cap anytime soon with the pandemic. So, uh, no. But, like, I do, like, I think an American TV deal was going to be coming up soon anyway. So... To me, it's just interesting to see NBC cut out from this deal. That's my one surprise. Um, and like, as you said, yes, it's a step up from Versus, but it's a step down from NBC SN. So, so like, to me, this seems like a downgrade. And I'm sure like you're still like if you want to watch if you're in America and you're watching the local games, like you can still turn on to you know your Fox Sports or Columbus or whatever, and you can still watch you know the Blue Jackets game that way. But like. To me, the loss of like a high-end national cable broadcaster is huge, especially given the fact that like a TV deal is coming up for the American games. That now that you've lost a like a a potential broadcaster, like it, it it's it creates less of a bidding war almost, right? So I I feel like the the NHL lost out on not having NBCSN uh, staying on. Interesting. You know, I, I looked at it as actually a positive thing, but could be you could be right on this one. I, I, I think I think there's a lot to turn out with a uh, lot to unpack there, not turn out with, but unpack there. And I think 
we just have to wait. And that's all we can do. We have to wait and see us unpacks. Um, with that being said, Jeffrey, that's all I got for this week. Same with me. That's all I have too right now. We've uh, got a good, uh, nearly about an hour episode. So, you know, there's just been so much hockey to watch that, you know, you guys probably don't have enough time to listen. But if you guys do have the time to listen to us, uh, you can always find us on Spotify, Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you, for some reason, have extra time, check out the other podcasts um, on um, the National Podcast uh was it national podcast network they have a they have plenty of other podcasts as well plus plus the ufh ufhl i always you know there's too many letters and acronyms that i forget what each stand for but they also have their own podcast so you know besides listen to us listen to give them a listen as well uh, there's lots of games going on so you're gonna be busy during the nights but you know during the mornings during your lunch give us a listen there you know what couldn't have said any better um, with that being said, Jeffrey, on Twitter, what are we? Let's get it right this time. On Twitter, we're the we're the Bag of Pucks podcast, and our Twitter handle is at BOP underscore POD. Let's go. Great work. Kind of applause for Jeffrey. And with that being said, Jeffrey, uh, you get the first last words. Uh, all right. So my last words for this week. Um Enjoy hockey while you can, because uh, who knows where the world is going. Uh, we're doing a little bit better, but, you know, still remember those little things besides hockey, right? Like, remember, but, you know, there's people that, you know, are working, you know, long hours, those essential workers. There's people who have lost a lot during this pandemic. And, you know, sometimes it's just important to reach out to those people. Give back if you can. And, you know, this week, you know. Do, do, do something good for one other person that's, you know, not within your immediate family or anything like that. You know, do one good deed this week. That's what, something I'm going to challenge you guys to do this week. And maybe next week we can talk about what we did also. Um, I also want to add in your last words, percentage of the chance that season ends on time. Uh, On time or that it ends like with every team playing 56 games? Like, what do you mean by that? It ends with... Yeah, I have 56 teams. That's probably what I was trying to say. Uh, I am going with 50%. I think there's going to be at least one team or two teams that uh, end up not playing their full 56 games. Stars! <laughs> um, anything else before I start yammering about? Nope, you're good to go. Your last words, Olsen? Uh, You know, we love y'all. Um, you know, Jeffrey usually does... He went off and stole my thing where I'm just like on my little little rant there about loving other people um but with that being said i think you should wash your hands wear a damn mask um you know what go say hi to someone today just on the street and just walk by and say hello and ask how their day is doing just don't you know put it do it in a sketchy way and <laughs> make it uncomfortable for everyone uh but i think the chance of the season ends 56 games 75 percent because i'm an optimistic boy and uh love y'all All right, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.